Well, happy Easter, everybody. So good to see you guys on this Sunday morning. Thank you for being with us in church here at New Life Church. It's a joy and honor. It's a real privilege uh, to have you and to be with us today on this glorious Sunday and what it entails, what it means for us. I want to say hi to everyone who, who, were, who were not able to get out today, but you're joining us from online. Uh, thank you for tuning in and, and worshiping with us here at New Life Church on Easter Sunday. Well, listen, if you have your Bibles, you can turn or flip to. If you have your smartphones, you can click to John chapter 20, the New Testament, the Gospel of John chapter 20. And as you all may know that today is about the resurrection of Jesus Christ and the power that is displayed in that. And we're going to get into that and, and, and believe the Lord to have something special to say to each and every single one of us. We're in, we're with our Easter series that we started at the beginning of April. It's called Resurrecting Hope. And that's what we're going to talk about today is resurrection hope. And let's look at the first couple of verses here in John chapter 20 together. Verse 1 says, Early on Sunday morning, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. She ran and found Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, that's John, the one who's writing this. He's kind of gets to say that, I guess. The one whom Jesus loved. And she said, hey, they have taken the Lord's body out of the tomb. And we don't know where they have put him. They went on home. Verse 11 says, Mary was standing outside the tomb crying. And as she wept, she Stooped and looked in, she saw two white-robed angels, one sitting at the head and the other at the foot of the place where the body of Jesus had been lying. Dear woman, why are you crying? The angels asked her. Because they have taken away my Lord, she replied, and I don't know where they have put him. She turned to leave and she saw someone standing there and it was Jesus, but she didn't recognize him. Dear woman, why are you crying? Jesus asked her. And who are you looking for? She thought he was the gardener. Sir, she said, if, if you have taken him away, just tell me where you have put him and I will go and I will get him. Mary, Jesus said, she turned to him and cried out, Rabbani, which is in Hebrew is, means teacher. Don't cling to me, Jesus said, for I haven't yet ascended to the Father, but I go, but, but, I, uh, but go and find my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. And Mary Magdalene found the disciples. And she told them, I have seen the Lord. And then she gave him his message. You ever thought about Easter? Before it was a celebration of life, it was a time of mourning for Jesus' followers. And we have the after story because we, we get the full book. We get to read all the way to the end. But they did not have that at the time. 
you know, just with them, they were facing some, one of the most challenging things in life at that moment. And like them, you and I face a lot of challenges in life. We're not fortunate to miss those. Those seem to find us in different ways in different seasons. But life's greatest challenges truly can only be faced when we have the resurrecting hope of Jesus in our life. In the days following the crucifixion of Jesus, they were some of the darkest times in these disciples' lives. Even though Jesus intentionally took some time to prepare them and to let them know, hey, things are going to change. Look at this with me on, on the screen in John 16. John writes this in verse 16. Jesus was telling his disciples, hey, in a little while, you won't see me anymore, but a little while after that, you will see me again. And on down in verse 20, he says, I, I tell you the truth, you will weep and you will mourn over what is going to happen to me, but the world will rejoice. You will grieve, but your grief will suddenly turn to wonderful joy. And then he goes on to expound and he says, you have sorrow now, but I will see you again, and then you will rejoice, and no one can rob you of that joy. And he finishes out in verse 32 and 33. He says, the time is coming. Indeed, it's here now when you will be scattered, each one going on his own way, leaving me alone. He says, yet I am not alone because the Father was with me, and I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth you will have trials, and you will have sorrows, but take heart, because I have overcome the world. He tells them this prior to the Passion Week, the week we, we are wrapping up, prior to his triumphant entry a week ago on Palm Sunday, prior to him going into the temple and, and throwing the tables and, and, and reestablishing the, the purpose of the temple, prior to him having his final meal, the Passover meal, the Last Supper communion with his disciples, prior to him being betrayed, prior to him being arrested, prior to him being accused, prior to him enduring the agony of, of the brutality of the cross, hanging there for six hours before he breathed his last breath, stating his final seven words, his final seven statements, Prior to all that, he tried to prepare, tried to let them know, hey, it's not going to be easy what you're going to witness and what you yourself will eventually have to go through, but take courage, have courage because I have overcome the world. He called his shot even before his pitch was thrown. He called what would happen before he was ever given the opportunity because he knew if he could go through it, if he could endure the cross, scorning its shame for the joy that was set before him on the other side, he knew if he could go through that, he could make that statement to his disciples and it could ring true for us today. Take courage. I have overcome the world. And yet here they were, three days of deep sorrow, the body of Jesus, the body of their friend, the body of their teacher, the body of their rabbi, the body of their master, nowhere to be found. They needed hope. They needed hope. They needed something to spark hope. 
They needed resurrecting hope. But would hope come? How would hope look like? How would it arrive? And what could this hope do for me now when he's nowhere to be found? What about you today on this Sunday morning? I know it's not early like it was in this story, but it is Sunday. What about you? I know life has not been easy. None of us have had the easy button to push and constantly push it. And, and get out of trial and get out of sorrow and get out of setback and get out of things. We're all faced with unfairness in life. And some of us really have faced some great challenges in our day and time in our life from the loss of friends and family. Broken relationships, strained relationships, distant relationships. A bad diagnosis, either to yourself or to someone in your family. Chronic ailments that we continue to face, they're like a cycle. They come and go in our bodies. Financial crises, educational confusion, trying to make it to the deadline, trying to finish on time, trying to graduate with honors, trying to accomplish something and do something with my life. Challenges don't escape humanity. Challenges did not escape these disciples. And not to mention our ongoing wrestling match with our sinful nature. (laughs) We think we get over one thing and I'm not going to do that anymore. That's not going to be me anymore. That won't have a hold on me anymore. And we are faced with the chronic cycle of our sinful nature. But the Gospels, the good news, is that it tells us that right in the middle of dark hours comes the light of hope. And that is something that you and I, if, if we want to have hope, we have to trust that that is true, that Jesus is Alive. Consider these words that our Lord said in Revelation 1 and 8. He tells us, I am the Alpha and the Omega. I am the beginning and the end, says the Lord God. You can put an exclamation point on that. He says, I am the one who is, who always was, and who is still to come, the Almighty One. In verse 18, he writes, and he tells us, I am the living one. I died, but look, I am alive. I am alive forever and ever, and I hold the keys of death, hell, and the grave. Friends, if you and I want to have hope in this world, we have to hope in Jesus. Death couldn't hold him. Sin couldn't defeat him. A grave could not keep him. The devil looked like he had won, but it was all part of God's plan. Friends, if you and I want to have hope in this world, we, ha- we can't hope in pretend, make-believe 
things in this world, things that are temporary, things that will come and things that will go, the passing pleasures of life. No, we must hope in the one who conquered death. We must hope in the one who paid the price for our sin. We must hope in the one who rose from the grave on the third day. We must hope in the one who is at the right hand of the throne of God forever making intercession for us, the one who can save us, the one who can heal us, the one who can forgive us, the one who can right our wrongs, the one who can make things change in us and for us. And that's where these disciples found themselves facing life's greatest challenges, but the resurrection hope proved something better. This story in, in, the, in John's gospel highlights three things about resurrection that I want to just drop with you today and hope is deposited in your heart today, that resurrection hope appears when we least expect it. Resurrection hope comes at just the right time. And resurrection hope is the ultimate victory over death. Resurrection hope appears when we least expect it. Mary, going to the tomb to do what she was going to do to prepare the body for burial and long term, Jesus was not there. But Mary failed to see what actually was there. There were two angels, but it says, then the angels asked her, why are you crying? But it seemed like Mary was unfazed. She was not jolted by angelic beings. I probably would be, I would think, but I don't know. Mary just seemed to be so tunnel focused, tunnel vision, zeroed in, laser beam focused on on looking for the body of the Lord. And there were these two angels and she failed to see these two angels. All she could focus on was that Jesus' body was not in the tomb. Big deal. Two angels talking to me. What's up? I'm going to go on. I'm looking for my Lord, homie. He's not here. Unfazed. You see, when we lose hope, it has an effect on us. Man, when we lose hope, our future becomes so unclear. We just can't seem to see the forest for the trees. It becomes so easy to fixate on what we don't have, what has not happened, what we what others didn't do for us. What is actually missing in our life? And then she goes to leave. She has that exchange with, with these angels. And then she's like, well, you can't tell me. So I, I, I'm, I'm going. I, I just got to be somewhere else I can go. So she turns to leave. And then who does she run into? She comes face to face with Jesus. But the Bible, John writes, he says, hey, she didn't recognize him. She didn't recognize resurrection hope standing right in front of her face. She was unable to see Jesus for who he was at that moment, perhaps because of the fog of despair in her life. The despair was bigger. The letdown was huge. Jesus is not in the tomb. Despair. You know, with Easter comes something called an Easter egg hunt in most places. 
And in all, in all Easter egg hunts, our children are going to have one if, if you let them stay after church for a little bit. Our children are going to have one. If you don't, they're going to probably be mad. I don't know. But anyway, with Easter egg hunts, there's this common thread, and that is expectation. Expectation. Plain sight, eggs are hidden or visible. Then there, there are eggs hidden in some kind of obscure places sometimes, especially that golden egg that might have, you know, more in it than the other eggs possibly have in them. But there is this expectation in, in, our, in, these, in children, and if adults, if you admit you sometimes play along with it too, I like finding them sometimes too, letting my kids hide them, and then I'll go out and find them. There's this expectation that's in the mix that I'm feeling. You know, that's Easter. Easter brings an expectation. Easter is a reminder that God is in the business of awakening hope within us in so many different ways. And and let me tell you this, sometimes in subtle ways. And it's those subtle ways sometimes, if we're not careful, we'll miss them. Like right here in this story with Mary. You know, hope. Hope can come in so many subtle ways. Hope can come in a simple conversation with somebody. In a conversation, I've often found that when you were least expecting it, you didn't walk away from the conversation, you didn't approach the conversation thinking you're going to get some hope or get some good something out of that conversation. But God works in so many different ways that we cannot possibly try to limit God working in subtle ways. Sure, we look for the explosions. We look for the big, you know, the big finale and the big sights and sounds. But oftentimes, God shows himself in subtle ways. Simple conversations. I was talking with my counselor this week, and I was reminded of something he told me about, about the faithfulness of God there was just a little, little smidget of a uh, little thing he said, and I told him, I said, you know, you just, you just preach one of my points back to me that I'm going to preach on Easter Sunday, that hope comes when we least expect it. It can come in a card. It can come on the phone. It can come in a text. It can come in an email. It can come by a drop-by visit. Those don't happen that often. It can come from just the simple noticing looking out and looking up at creation and seeing the sunrise and seeing the sunset, especially when you have a hole in your roof. All you want to do is see the sun. It can come in just the simple smile of a child. What am I saying? I think we can, we, we can get, like Mary, we can get so fixed on thinking Our answer has to come a certain way. And with Jesus, he opens it up. He multiplies the ways of how he can get hope to come to us when we least expect it. That if we would just take the time to be grateful for what we do have rather than frustrated by what we don't. Amen. Two, resurrection hope comes at just the right time. 
at just the right time. Mary was about to, I think perhaps, it doesn't say, but she was turning to leave. She was going away from where the action had taken place. Sure, she was on a mission. She was looking for the body of Jesus. She thought somebody somewhere took him. There was a story that I was a part of about 22 years ago, roughly, maybe 23, close to that. My wife Haley, she's an educator, as many of you know, and one of her first assignments right out of college was working in the inner city of Memphis in Orange Mound. She worked for Hanley Elementary School, and she was a kindergarten teacher and early ed teacher, and, and, and every year she would try to have an Easter party on the Thursday before Good Friday, and, uh, and myself and a few other friends from the church would come and try to help her throw this party with her class of about 23 students. You know, keep in mind, they're little, and, we're, and, and one of the things, in fact, they're doing it today in, in New Life Kids is they're telling the, the resurrection story, and they use an egg carton, and in each, in, in that, there's, a, in, there's an egg, a plastic egg, and inside each egg, there's a symbol of something pertaining to this story of, of leading up to the resurrection of Jesus. And when you get to the last one, it represents the empty tomb, and you go, and you go to open it. So she's in class, and she's telling the story, and what is this, imp- oh, look, guys, this egg is empty. What happened? And Rodriguez says, oh, somebody stole Jesus. (laughs) He's about 30 probably right now. And that story's going to go with me to my grave. It's just a classic. Somebody stole Jesus. Mary didn't see him there, but hope was coming at just the right time. She thought he was just a gardener of the tomb, just somebody, just somebody, just a gardener of the tomb. But what she finds out, he is not just the gardener of that tomb. He's the gardener of the tomb of our hearts is what she comes to find out. Because you see, in the beginning, you go way back to the beginning, there was this garden of perfection, this garden of completion, this garden that was beautiful and perfect But because of humanity's disobedience to our God, sin entered entered the world, death came into the world, everything became broken, and life got complicated, and life got challenging. But look, look at this with me in Genesis 3. It says, when this happened, it says, when the cool evening breezes were blowing... It says, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking about in the garden. They hid from the Lord among the trees. And the Lord God called to the man, hey, where are you? And he replied, I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. And who told you that you were naked, the Lord God asked. Have you eaten from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat? They were ashamed. They were hiding or trying to hide from God, which is impossible to do. He's so good at hide and seek. And now in this garden, at this tomb, it's Jesus who's calling out. And he calls Mary by her name. He says, Mary. There's just something about the way 
he said her name. She recognized him. Saying her name reminded her in her heart that he, this person, is not just a gardener here at this tomb, but this person, this is Jesus, the one I came looking for. And he's not lying there lifeless, covered in linen and cloth. No, he's alive. He actually came back to life. He did what he said he would do. Someone who calls their death, predicts their resurrection, and actually comes through with it, that is someone I think we should pay attention to. Someone quoted that in a much better way than me that I cannot remember who. Credit to whoever that is. And Mary found herself face to face recognizing This is not just a gardener. This is Jesus. This is my Lord. This is my teacher. This is my master. This is the one who called me way back when, a few years ago, and asked me to follow him on this journey. And here he is calling my name in my sorrow, in my grief, in my despair, in my hopelessness, in my way. He calls my name. There's a shift in this story that begins to happen. And that's what Easter does for the world, for you, for me, is that Easter makes it possible to be able to look to Jesus. You see, your sin, your shame, and your your predicaments and your situations try to tell you, don't look to the Lord. You're not worthy. You don't have it all together. He's not going to accept you. Wait till you get some things under control. Wait till you can fix some of your own problems before you go to the Lord. That's what religion teaches. Jesus teaches love, relationship, and says, even when you were a sinner, I died for you. Even when you couldn't do anything, I died for you. Even when you couldn't buy a suit and look your best on Easter, I was already paying the price for you, preparing a way for you, calling you from your mother's womb, calling you out, telling you I love you, telling you I'm here for you, telling you I created you for a purpose, telling you you can be everything that I have created and called you to be regardless of whatever you face in life you can overcome with my hope and my life alive on the inside of you and that's what easter does easter makes it possible to look to jesus to see him to recognize him to know that he has called you by name and that to know that you can hope again regardless regardless of any shortcoming in any situation in your life. And Jesus, right here, was confirming that he fulfilled his mission statement. His mission statement was stated at the beginning. Luke writes it this way. It's in the Passion Translation. Look with me on the screen. It's in Luke 4, verse 18 and 19 where Jesus comes out of the wilderness from a 40-day time of prayer and fasting, being tempted by the devil, trying to get him to give up what he was called to do. And Jesus says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. I'm not weak. I have strength. He said, he has anointed me to be hope for the poor, healing for the brokenhearted, and new eyes for the blind, to preach to prisoners. He says, you are set free. I have come to share the message of jubilee for the time of God's great acceptance 
has begun. Jesus started the acceptance movement. That you and I are accepted in him. When we believe him, when we trust him, and when we follow him, we are accepted. Resurrection hope comes at just the right time. Mary, still crying, but here's her name, and the story begins to change. And lastly, resurrection hope is ultimate victory over death. What Mary discovered on that early Sunday morning was that the thing that she thought was the final thing was actually not the end, but it was just the beginning. It was just the beginning. Jesus rising from the dead and about to ascend to heaven to the Father meant that sin and its ultimate payout, death, could not overcome him. He tells her, hey, don't get too close because I have yet to go to my father. And I want to tell you, he's not just my father, he's yours. He's not just my God, he's your God. You see, that's the thing about Jesus, that he makes relationship with God personal. He makes it personal. Makes it personal. That's why we like to say our personal Lord and Savior. He makes it personal because he knows each and every one of us by name. He knows the number of hairs left on our head. He knows, in my case, left. He knows everything about you. Here's the deal. He knows everything about you. He knows everything about me. The good, the bad, and the in-between. And yet... He still calls you, yet he still wants you, yet he still thinks so much of you because in him is love, in in him is grace, and in him is truth. And you put all that together and you have resurrection hope, hope to overcome life's challenges, hope to overcome life setbacks, hope to overcome the sin in our life, hope to overcome, you name it, Jesus is there. And Jesus provided that. The powerful revelation that comes with this right here, with this truth, is that if Jesus can overcome death, this is why this is so key, this is why this matters in Christianity and in our life with the cross and the tomb and the resurrection. This is why this is so important. Listen to it. That If Jesus can overcome death, then there is nothing in our lives that he cannot defeat and overcome in us and for us. That is why that is so, so vital. Why is resurrection such a big deal? Because if he came back to life and he overcame sin and he overcame death, he overcame the grave, death losing its victory, sin losing its victory in our life, Jesus overcoming it, then there is absolutely nothing in our life that he cannot defeat and overcome and conquer with his love and his life and the shed blood that he gave for you and me. Nothing. But what do we do with that? There's always a choice involved. There's always a, a decision to be made. There's always a crossroads. And it comes down to do we believe this or not? 
do we believe or not? One of the most quoted verses out of the 31,200 verses in the Bible, one of the most quoted ones is John 3.16. And I want you to look at it on the screen because I don't want these words to lose its importance. For God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son so that everyone who What's the word? Believes in him. Will not perish, but have eternal life. Everyone who believes, everyone who relies on, everyone who trusts in Jesus would not perish, but have eternal life. What is eternal life? You ever thought about that? What is eternal life? Jesus answers that in this verse in John 17, 3. Coming down for the close. Jesus said in his prayer, after he had prepared his disciples about what would happen to him, he prayed this. This is the way to have eternal life. Be a good person. Say your prayers at night especially before you eat on Easter. Thank your mother for the Easter basket and you'll have a good day. Well, you probably will have a good day. But what's he say the way to eternal life? Follow all the rules that have ever been written Try your hardest. Still, no, still not the right one. The way to have eternal life, he says, is to know you, God, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, the one you have sent. Eternal life is knowing and experiencing a relationship with Jesus. It's knowing him now and it's being afforded the opportunity to know him forever. It's our belief, not an intellectual exercise, but a deep trust in Jesus that ensures that the worst things that may happen to us in life, they are not the last things that happen to us. As hard and as painful and as difficult as some things are, even our own choices that lead us down dirty paths, they're not the last things. No. Believing in, trusting in, relying upon Jesus is not just an, it's not some intellectual exercise. It's called faith, it's called believing in your heart. And when we believe in our heart that Jesus, yeah, there's a bird flying around. Happy Easter, everybody. Hey, I don't know. There's a story to tell somebody someday. 
you won't believe this moment. Preacher was winding it down to get real serious. And a bird come flying through the sanctuary. Kind of like that Mississippi squirrel revival. Any people know what I'm talking about? (laughs) I guess I should wind this up. The last things that happen to us, they don't have to be, they don't have to be the last because in Christ, there's always the hope, man, of resurrection. There's always the hope of resurrection. Would you bow your heads? want to invite you to believe in the resurrected Christ who is our resurrection hope. I want to invite you to give your life to him or perhaps renew your heart to him. As your head is bowed, just close your eyes for a moment. The Lord loves you. Jesus loves you. And there may be some here today that you you just don't want to completely give up control of your life because you think Jesus is going to suck the fun out. There's a freeing thing that takes place in the heart of a human when we relinquish control to the Lord. He has so many paths carved out for you. And on those paths, he has purpose planned for you. And the paths that you and I choose to take can either be our own or they can be what he carves out. Life's greatest challenges can only really truly be faced and overcome with when resurrecting hope, the hope of Christ, the life of Christ is present within us, alive within us, free within us. And so I want to invite you to just pray this prayer with me today. As I pray this prayer, I want to invite you to pray this. It may be for your first time or it may be in a long time that you've prayed a prayer like this. But as I pray this, just in your own way, pray this with me. Jesus, thank you for the hope that we find in Easter, that it's not just a story, but it's the story of your resurrected life that renews our spirits and invites us to believe in you with all that we are. I don't want to miss you today. I want to see you in your fullness, and I want to trust in your grace that you have for all people, including people like me. I give you all the dead places within me, all the places that I try to control, all the hopeless thoughts in my mind, and all the feeble prayers. I repent, and I turn to you today. I am yours. Please forgive me and give me a fresh start. 
resurrect my life today and set me on a path forward to fulfill my purpose in you. Fill me with your Holy Spirit and renew my mind. I look forward to your work in my new life. I love you and I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Friends, if you prayed that sincerely for the first time or maybe for the first time in a in a while, I want to ask you to do something. I would ask you to text the word decided to the number 97,000. And that's just going to let us know, hey, you were serious about that prayer today. And it'll send you some other text to prompt you on steps you can take to further your walk in Christ. I invite you to stand as we close with this final chorus of living hope. Yours is the victory. Jesus, yours is the victory. 